Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. This morning, I want to minister, as I always do, not always, but most of the time when we have communion, about communion. And uh, I think, as I've said to you before, this is probably one of the most holy things uh, that we can be a part of. I've had people in the church uh, from time to time that uh, were living not a very good life, and they would come to me and they'd say, Pastor, you need some help with the, uh, the communion. I, I can help you put that together. And, and I would very gingerly and very nicely say, no, that, that, that's okay, you know, that's, I'll take care of it. You say, well, why? This stuff can kill you, or this stuff can heal you. Uh, the Bible says that some people take this uh, communion lightly, and the Bible says they sleep. No, that's not what it means. Uh, they die. Amen. So this stuff this morning, this communion that we're taking is holy. It is powerful. It represents the body of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. And so today we are going to be remembering the Lord's death. Amen. I don't have any slides, so you have to follow, follow me along. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses uh, 23 through 26 is where we're going to start when we get there. But if you actually back up to uh, 17, it talks about the meetings that they were having and the communion that they were taking. Uh, the Apostle Paul and the Lord were not happy with uh, how they were doing it. He talks about divisions in the church, and I don't sense or feel divisions in the church here, so we are thankful for that. It talks about people uh, using the communion time for a supper or a lunch or whatever. And so there was a lot of things that Paul uh, was talking to the uh, Corinthians about in, in this way of a communion. And uh, I tell you, when we finally get this communion uh, together and we got it presented and, we, and you take it, a myriad of things can happen, really good things. And so we need to be a group of people that understand how important this time is. But again, uh, chapter uh, 1 of Corinthians, uh, uh, I'm, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm sorry, uh, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And we had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. How many is in a routine to do certain things? You get up in the morning at a certain time and you... Uh, Get yourself ready, you go to work or you go do different things, you know, anybody here? Okay, see, you get up and uh, same time, same, you go to the same deals. Things can become routine. And, uh, and I do know that churches from time to time, and it's okay, 
Uh, some churches give uh, communion or serve communion every Sunday. And that is a beautiful thing. That's fine. But sometimes uh, taking of communion became become just a do it thing. Oh, I, I can't, I'll go do that today. And it becomes a routine, a little thought of the appreciation we need to have for that. And uh, in the scriptures I didn't read to you, just told you about, there seemed to be an arrogance among the brothers and sisters, and they were fighting and quarreling and divisions and problems, and they would still come to the uh, communion table with those things in their hearts. I've encouraged you the few times I've served communion since being back, is that whenever you take communion here in a little bit, is that it is your job to examine yourself. It's not to examine anyone else around you, in front of, back, side, whatever, husband, wife, children, parents. Uh, It is about uh, looking at your own life. That's what this communion is all about. And I've said for years and years and years and years, King David one time in his Psalms uh, said, Lord, let me see myself. Have you ever prayed that? It is a terrifying thing to pray. Absolutely terrifying. You say, oh God, let me look in your mirror and you show me what I'm really like. Oh my goodness. You, you just, you're just homely. You're homely in his presence. You're homely compared to him. Your righteousness, you look in the mirror and say, well, I'm pretty good today. Is really pretty stinky to him, except for the fact that he died on a cross for you and gave you his righteousness and gave you his beauty for our homeliness. And so again, this is not about a, a judgment on anyone else or anything else. Whenever, uh, whenever I've been through uh, communion, sometimes I've actually had people come to me, oh, Pastor, while I was thinking of this communion time, I thought of so-and-so. Well, that's okay if you're praying for them honestly. But again, it is about what the Lord thinks of John Dodd this morning and what he thinks of you this morning. And so as we go down through what I'm going to share with you, just be reminded we're not talking about anyone else. You're the only person here today. Literally. No, <laughs> you're the only person here today that the Lord is talking to. First of all is this. The Lord's death reveals sin. Wow. I, I, I love the fact that mankind tries to minimize or excuse sin. I love it that uh, mankind wants to somehow deny that reality of sin. Uh, down through the years, I've sort of put it this way. There's a, there's a wall here, and there's a bunch of shelves on it, uh, and there is sin up on those shelves. Uh, and, and that's what the Lord says, all this stuff over here is sinful. Don't do it. What we love to do as, as just people, in general, the world especially, is they like to take this sin down and polish it up a little bit and put it over here on the acceptable side. And so we keep moving things over. Uh, and uh, yeah, in my experience as I've grown up in church and around church, it seemed to be years ago the sinner, the world, knew something was sin and knew something was wrong Maybe they didn't follow what God wanted, but they would confess to you that this is sin. Yes, I know it is. Nowadays, it is not that way. 
It is not that way that the world can identify. Yes, sin is here. And even in the church, sometimes that we go, no, I, I don't know if that's really a sin or not. And especially if you quote out of the Old Testament, well, that's Old Testament stuff, that's Moses stuff. That's why I quote out of the New Testament most of the time when I'm talking about sin because there's tons of things in the New Testament that tells us not to do something. Man, it's all in the New Testament too. And, and grace is in the Old Testament. Grace is in the New Testament. Plus uh, the mention of sin is in both places. And so we try sometimes to even joke about it or make it light or, or to tolerate or accept this ideal of sin. Let me tell you, when we take communion here in a little bit, first and foremost, Christ died for our sins. If, he did not have, if we didn't have any sins, he would have not needed to die. No reason. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, For what I received, I passed on to you. I just read it to you a little bit. Uh, uh, as the first importance, first importance, Christ died for our sins. 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins on his body or in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins, listen to this, and live for righteousness. Goes on to say, by his stripes we are healed, we're blessed, uh, and we receive healing. But the deal is, as you look at this communion this morning, <clears throat> it is a revelation that we have a sin problem. Now, if you're born again today, if you've come to Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He's forgiven you of your sin. He's your Lord and your Master. He's put His blood upon you. You're ready for heaven. We still wrestle with sin from time to time and have to get forgiveness. But the world we live in wrestles with a sin problem. And whenever the Lord, through His, uh, His Holy Spirit, convicts people, He convicts them of their sin. He doesn't convict them of just a little mistake they made this week. He doesn't convict them of an oops, oh well, you know, not too big. God convicts us of sin. And so we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, well, you know, we look pretty good. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're good people here. Uh, but it is the sin that we have and the sin that we did that sent Jesus to a cross. But I love the fact that we can now live for righteousness. Live for righteousness. That is the goal of every single person. Now, I, I know that there are some churches that believe at a certain point in your life, boom, you're righteous for the rest of your life, actually. It's not just in the Spirit, but you never do anything wrong ever again. I've met some of those people, and I go, I don't think so. <laughs> We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have in our lives some things that we, we have to get forgiveness of. But the reality is that whenever you realize what Christ has done for you, you can live in God's righteousness. Because I don't know how it all happens. But he comes along when you're saved. <clears throat> he takes your filthy righteousness and <clears throat> throws it to the side and puts on you his righteousness. And we walk around with this righteousness of God on our lives. I don't know how it happens because I know me. Do you know you? And we blow it sometimes. 
We don't act Christ-like sometimes. We don't act like we have righteousness sometimes. But 1 Peter 2.24 tells us, He bore our sins that we might die to sin, live to righteousness. Every single one of us here today should know that has already happened to us and that we need then in practicality make it happen in our lives. Shun sin, run towards God. That's what should happen in our lives. And so this meal that we're going to be partaking, he says not much of a meal, it's a little dried cracker. Well, I know. We're not back in Jewish times doing the big meal thing. This meal reminds us that we all have a sin problem and that the body was broken for our touching in our bodies. How many, how many needs healing this morning in your body? Oh, we've talked about this for all my life as a pastor and even before that. Drives me crazy. Thank you, Lord. I'm sorry. Drives me crazy that more people are not healed. Are you with me? We have the faith, we have the Lord's death, uh, we have his burial, we have his resurrection, and then we have people come down for prayer, and a few get healed, and a few does not, and we go, why is that happening? But I know this morning that as we take of this bread, we can expect God to do a healing in our bodies. But I want to tell you, that's not the only place that we're broken. Sometimes it's up here. Sometimes it's in our emotions, uh, our, 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 even in our spirit man, our spirit woman. We are broken people because of things in this world. You, you know the world is sort of an ugly place to live from time to time. Now, I love the world, and I love uh, uh, living and being and having my wife and children and grandchildren and, and, and all of you. and It's all a beautiful thing. But occasionally, life is pretty, pretty difficult. And the Lord has come along and he has shed his blood because we have a sin problem. He has broken his back in a sense, taken the stripes on his back so that we might receive healing. And somebody's asked me many, many times, and I've said this over and over again, well, there's a lot more salvations than there is healings. I don't know if that's true or not, really. If somebody comes to an altar and they confess with their mouth Jesus Christ, that really doesn't save them. Sorry, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you're saved. So we can listen to a confession all day long, but it may be just they got caught doing something, and they want to get out of it. And so they're praying to God, God, don't let my wife or my husband find out about this. Don't let my job find out about this, because I'm going to get in a lot of trouble, and I should not, I want help, God. But their spirit inside is not confessing, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. Uh, you're, they're confessing, but not, not believing in their heart. And so today, I think there's probably just as many, ooh, this is an awful thing to say, there's as many healings as there are salvations. That's an awful thing to say. It's that little thin road that goes to heaven, broad road goes to hell. Wow. And so we come to this place today. And we say, we're going to take this communion here in a minute and realize that it took the Lord's death to buy us freedom. I mean, the Father is looking all over heaven. He's going, 
we, the, these, these humans we just created, we know they're going to blow it someday, and they're going to need a Savior. What can we do? And I don't know what they bounced around. I mean, they're omnipotent. They're all-knowing. And, and so they, they don't need to discuss too much. Uh, but I wonder if they said, well, can goats and you know, animals, can that be good enough? No, 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 that's never good enough. And so in, in eternity past, they determined the cost of your sin. And it was Jesus coming down on what we believe is December 25th. <laughs> Not really, but we celebrate it then. Coming down to this earth, being born, walking among us and living among us and dying at 33 years of age, uh, being in the ground for a, a time and then coming out. That was what it cost for John Dodd's sin to be forgiven once and for all. Now, on Wednesday night, we were talking about uh, uh, sacrifices in the Old Testament. And we recognize that every year, every year they would drag their goats and their bulls and their, their animals down the middle aisle and we would slaughter them, hang them, bleed them. And, and the Lord would look down and say, I'm going to give you forgiveness of your sin, but it's just going to be for a short time. And it'll have to be done all again. When Jesus died on the cross, it was a once and for all thing. Now here in Pentecost, and I'll get myself in trouble, but I'm not your pastor, so you can yell at me if you want. Here in Pentecost, uh, we believe, uh, you know, you're saved a little bit and you're not saved a little bit. You're saved. I tell you, the longer I live, the closer I get to the Lord, I sort of like that thought of, of eternal security. Can you say that from a Pentecostal pulpit? I don't remember, I don't remember the last time I got out of bed in the morning wondering whether I was saved. I can't remember going to bed at night saying, oh Lord, if, I, if I'm not saved, can you get me to, you know, pray, sing that little prayer at night. I can't, can you save me before I go to sleep just in case I die? I cannot remember the last time that I've had those thoughts. Because the Lord's blood cleanses completely. His righteousness covers you completely. Now if you run into sin, if you do have a sin problem, go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me of this sin. Cleanse me and help me over this hurdle I keep falling over. But I want to take God is an incredible God. And by his blood you are saved if you've confessed him and believe in your heart. And, and if you want to use the term eternal security, the only thing I have problems with on eternal security is people that just come down a mouth a little something and, and then they're saved for eternity they can curse God and uh, say terrible things about the church and all and I go well you know they weren't saved to begin with but I want to tell you if you've met Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord if he's come into your life and you're trying to serve him I have good news for you today his righteousness prevails his blood is powerful yeah give the Lord a hand clap you and I today should be excited because the revealed sin that we have can be covered by the blood of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Secondly is this. The Lord's death redeems and saves. We've already been talking about this a little bit. Christ became the price 
for redemption. Wow. Sin must be paid for. We talk about our sin as if it doesn't cost anybody anything. It costs Jesus Christ his life. And I've heard people say, you know, well, the Lord knew that he was going to die on the cross. And he knew that the Father was going to reach down and pull him out. And he was going to be fine. His sacrifice was not that big a deal because he knew the ending of all of this. And, you know, oh, come on now. It cost your Lord and your Savior his life to buy you forgiveness of your sin. I am, I am blown away by how kind and generous and loving and gracious that our Lord is to us. I have to tell you, and I may be the only one here, I don't deserve it. I don't. I'm, I'm sort of not worthy. <laughs> but years ago, I said, Lord, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. And, and even at that moment, I, didn't, I wasn't where I am at now in my walk with the Lord. But he saved me back then. 15-year-old boy coming to an altar in, in a church I'd, been, I'd grown up in. And finally meeting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And uh, I've matured. I've grown. I've done different things down through the way. But you know what? If Jesus would have came when I was 15 years old, I'd have been ready to go, just like I am now. It's an amazing thing that the Lord has done, but it cost Jesus his life to save and to redeem. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says, For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a what? A ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. You blow it today. Next week, you're running around doing something, you do something really stupid. And you come to the Father and say, Father, I'm so sorry. The Father looks at the Son and goes, what do you think about it? Oh, I died for him. I died for her. And, and, and I'm the mediator. What's a mediator? It's a person that goes between uh, two individuals to make peace. And so the father's going, should I kill them or not? No, 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 father, no, no. I died for them, and they're calling out to you in my name. And so the mediator, Jesus Christ, intervenes uh, so that you don't die a horrible death. You say, well, we're not going to die. Oh, if Jesus wasn't the mediator, if he sat back and said, Father, you do what your righteous will uh, is supposed to do, uh, we would have our heads burnt off and we would be dead in our seats today. It is only because the mediator steps in, Jesus Christ, and says, no, 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 forgive them. See that blood? That's my blood. See, see my forgiveness? I've given it to them. And the Father says, okay. Have you ever wondered why in the last days there's two judgments? There's the judgment seat of Christ. That's where you want to be. Okay, let me just fill you in right then. That's where the righteous come, stand before Jesus, and he passes great rewards and pats you on the head and sends you into heaven. And then there's another place called the great white throne judgment. Now, you don't want to be there. 
because you're going to die and burn in hell. And at the great white throne judgment, the Father is sitting on that throne. Think about it just for a minute. Jesus stands in the way of the Father's potential wrath. Jesus is going to step out of the way at the great white throne judgment. And the Father is going to step forward and says, is, is anybody going to step in the way for these people? Jesus will say, I've already done that years ago. And I've been standing in the way all these years. Father, you just go ahead and do what you want to do. There'll be no intercession. Can you see what's happening? Jesus is our inter interceder. He steps here between the Father, which would kill us all, and us. And he pleads our case. Oh, John Dodd's an idiot, I know, uh, uh, Dad, you know but, but can you please just forgive him one more time? I've done that 16 times. One more? Okay, for you, Jesus, I'll do it one more time. What an incredible mediator we have. Because someday that mediator is going to step aside. He's going to have his own judgment at the judgment seat of Christ. The Father is going to have his own judgment at the great white throne judgment. No mediator in that area. I am so thankful for what Jesus has done for me at his death. But I am so, so, so thankful of what he's doing for me every day of my life. And what should happen to every one of us, you know, it's like you marry somebody really good. I did. Jackie's a wonderful lady. We smooch a little bit and held hands and things like that, you know. Oh, it's, oh she's, she's something. But I try to treat her right because I love her and we are, we are together. And so whenever you get to this point where, where you say, well, you know what, uh, the Lord redeems and saves, it should affect us in a way that we appreciate him so much that we change our ways for him. I don't, you shouldn't change your ways hoping to get out of hell. You change your ways hoping to please the one you love the best. So every one of us can probably have things today that we go, well, I wish I could get rid of this. I wish I could get rid of that. You know, when, whenever, have you ever looked into a, a loved one's eyes that you have really just crushed? And maybe they're tearing up, they're crying because of what you have done, and you feel so bad, you're going, oh, please, uh, you know, l l let me apologize for what I've done to hurt you. Our sin and our continued rebellion does hurt God. And it does hurt Jesus, which gave his life. And he's going, look, I've taken care of you. I'm your intercessor. But it'd be really cool if you loved me so much that you work on some of these things I've given to you. That's why this mirror in heaven is so important. Father, show me myself. It's okay. It's okay to see yourself with all your warts and your, and your, and your face and your, your, you know, your beat-upness and everything. Beat-upness, a word. Or did I invent a new word? I think I invented a new word, and it should be in the dictionary. Christ has become our sinless sacrifice so that we can be righteous today. Everybody knows this portion of Scripture, and you can quote it with me whenever I say it. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life this is 
the redeeming and the saving. I mean, for years and years and years, I've always thought, well, the saving came at the altar. It did. But the saving is also coming day by day by day by day for me. Now, you may go week to week or month to month or year to year. Mine's daily. (laughs) I need the Lord daily. Third and final is this. The Lord's death shows servanthood. The Lord's death reminds us of His servanthood to us. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give Himself a ransom for many. The Lord reminds us, here we are in a congregation, a group of people, and we need to be able to serve ourselves. That's why we are saved, is we serve the Lord first. And we serve each other after that. The Lord needs, you know, I, I've, sometimes you run across smart aleck people that go, well, I was saved when I was six years old and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. I always ask the question, you know, well, what have you done for the Lord lately? How have you served the Lord lately? What have you done for the kingdom of God? For how, what have you done to build the body of Christ? What have you done to lift up a, 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 a brother or sister in the Lord? What have you done to reach out to the lost and, and lift them up and bring them into the church and into the fold? Because Jesus came, and his great example, I love it, he's at the Last Supper, and, uh, and you know, they go through all these things, and then he takes off his outer clothes and, and, and gets the basin of water and all this kind of stuff, and the towel around, and he starts washing their feet. And, and, and of course, Peter, the big mouth guy, said, well, you're not going to wash my feet. Well, if I don't wash your feet, none of you belong to me. You, you just, I'm, well, then if that's the case, Wash my feet, my head, my whole body, don't matter. Wash me air. What Jesus was trying to do is tell us that our obligation is to serve the Lord and also to serve each other. All you have to do, because <laughs> we've done it a few times in our history, all you have to do is, is, is announce that you're going to have a foot washing uh, on Sunday night and, <laughs> and about four people show up. The pastor that's doing it, maybe two or three deacons or whatever. That's about it. Because people, oh, can't do that. I don't want anybody to wash my feet. My feet stink. They look funny. That one toe goes off that way. I ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. But Jesus gave us an example of washing each other's feet. Now, everybody's getting real nervous. Is somebody going to bring in the water? No, we're... <laughs> I saw people going... No, we're not going to wash anybody's feet today. But that's the example that Jesus gave. He came to earth to die on a cross as a service to us. He, I don't know if you know this or not, he didn't need to get forgiven for himself. <laughs> He's God. The only reason he came down is he looked over the portals of heaven and goes, wow, those people are a mess, and I better get down there and die for their sins so that they can be saved and have righteousness. And there, they, there he goes. And then he sits in that room with those guys and says, let me teach you something, guys. Here's how to treat one another. Now, if you're able and you uh, have the ability to reach down and wash somebody's feet on your hands and knees, You're at a pretty low point, if you will, of your life. But the Lord is saying that's how we should treat one another. 
maybe, uh, maybe in South Africa they do a lot of feet washing. <laughs> that Pastor Chris will bring with him. I've been through, any of you ever been through a foot washing? How many heard you was having a foot washing and didn't show up? <laughs> don't, don't, don't raise your hands. <laughs> that was an unfair question. <laughs> but I want to tell you, the people around you, you know, a while ago you went around, shook hands, and you hugged people, and you talked to each other for just a little bit. They are your brothers and your sisters in this church. We are getting ready in a few weeks to, from now to bring in our brand new pastors. They're going to have thoughts and ideals and direction and guidance and all that kind of stuff from the Lord. And uh, in a way, maybe you won't wash their feet actually, but by allowing them to lead you and guide you and, and you jumping in on the plan, you are washing their feet you are supporting them, and I hope that in their humility of being called to this great church by God, they serve you as well, because that's what it's all about. And then you as a church, wow, you have so many good things ahead of you. How many knows that? You have so many wonderful things ahead of you. If God would tell us about it, if he would give us a vision, it would blow our brains. Seriously. The Lord has things in store that we cannot hardly fathom. And it's because of your willingness to jump on board and to wash each other's feet, serve God, serve each other. Amen. Brothers, won't you come? Today we're going to be receiving communion. Brother Gene, could you just go ahead and pass it out to everybody? John 13 says this, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor, his, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Here we are today in such a way to worship our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord is a marvelous, marvelous God. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you, Lord. As they are passing out the communion, you guys go ahead and do that. As they're doing that this morning, we just want you to do just a couple things. Uh, our brother led us in relaxing this morning, taking it easy. And what I want you to do this morning is do just that, relax in the presence of the Lord. What I want you to do is ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that maybe I need to work on to tweak a little bit? What is it that I need to do differently than I, I'm doing? And then just think about the stuff I've told you about today. Today, the Lord is in the heavens beside his Father, making intercession for you. Anybody need intercession from last week? Yeah. He's doing it today. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I need you. I need you in this area of my life. And he will step out and do it for you. The Father will forgive you because Jesus is sitting right beside him 
saying, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. So take advantage of the Lord even right now for just a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, your love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're a good God, glorious Lord. Meet us, Lord God, right where we're at. Touch us, Lord God. Yes, I think I love you, Lord. We give you praise, worship, glory, and honor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. you praise the Lord. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. We have a couple elements as we always have. But again, what they mean to us should be just incredible. Yeah, this little wafer, little bitty thing. 
it just represents the body of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ that just got his back ripped apart so that we might receive healing. And as I've said, I'm just, I'm bothered sometimes by the lack of healing, but I know the Lord's a healer. So how many would say this morning by an upraised hand, Pastor, I need healing in my body? See, there's hands all over this place that need a miraculous healing. The Lord is not to, and, and I love the little prayer times you have sometimes, and oh yeah, my little headache is a little bit better. No, I'm talking about absolute miraculous healings. God can do healings. Amen? So as you partake of this wafer this morning, I want you to think about the beating he took. I want you to think about his back and what he sacrificed so that you and I might be healed. Let's eat together. Thank you, Father. Lord, people raised their hands just a minute ago, signifying a need of healing. Lord God, do this for them. By faith, they raise their hand. By faith, they trust you. And Lord God, don't let them down. Just heal them right now. Let us have testimonies, Lord God, of your healing power. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. This cup you hold in your hand is just grape juice. Represents the blood of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, which 2,000 years ago gave his blood that we might be saved. And every time the, the, the Son steps forward as our interceder, the Father looks at the blood in the altar and says, yep, still good. Still going to forgive them. If you have sin in your life, if you are, number one, not a Christian, if you've never asked Jesus to come in your heart and life, forgive your sin, you need to do that today. I would not walk out of this place without knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And secondly, if there are sins that continue to bother you, I have found out down through many years of pastoring that people seem to fall over the same problem over and over again. Yours might be something, yours might be something else. But we seem to trip over the same sin or same challenge. The Lord can help you the next time you're coming up to that challenge to hop over it. He can help you. Let's drink together. Take just a moment and worship the Lord before we change the order of service. Father, we love you. You are marvelous, God, a glorious Lord. Move among this people this morning. Have your will, have your way done, Lord God. If we are struggling, Lord God, with any kind of sin or any kind of problem in our lives, give us strength to get through it. Give us strength to get through it, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of We're going to close this morning with somebody or anybody or nobody standing and coming forward and saying, I have a need I want somebody to pray for me about. That's what church is all about. It's loving each other, caring for each other, lifting each other up. If you have a need, I don't care what it's for, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, it doesn't matter. I want you to step out and come. And of course, the uh, <clears throat> ushers know what, I mean, the ushers, the uh, elders know what to do. Just step out and come with them. Amen. Step out and come with them. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Need a lady up here? Anybody? 
Thank you, Jesus. There you go. Just let's give the Lord just a few moments. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Anybody else very quickly need a prayer? You'd like something from the Lord? Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. here in just a second. If you need something from the Lord, you're welcome to come. continue to pray for these down here this morning. We're going to let you go if you need to go. The Lord is a good God. He loves you and He cares for you this morning. Father, for those of us that need to be going, doing our different things, Father, bless and minister and meet the need, Lord God, that they have. Let them have a great, great day. Blessed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can love somebody, give somebody a handshake, a hug around the neck. We're going to be praying around the altars as long as we want to or need to. Amen. It's been good to have you in the house of the Lord. Your spirit's love.